Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. In this final leg of Season 5, I'm reading my way through every single goddamn page in The Revenge of Kang, the final module in the Time Warp Adventure series for TSR's Marvel Super Heroes role-playing game. And as I do, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on each page. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Revenge of Kang was written by Ray Winninger and was published in 1990. Today we're discussing page number 12 of The Revenge of Kang. We're still in the friendly NPCs section, but this is the last page of it. We're going to be on to antagonists tomorrow. We're wrapping up the friendly superheroes here with one that we've already talked about in this very book uh, because of a page of reprint material that we skipped. It's Iron Man today, uh, but not Iron Man as we saw him before. This, as is the case with the rest of the superheroes in this section, is the 1960s version of Iron Man. Of course, as you know, if you were paying attention when we talked about Iron Man last time, uh, that definite article is not appropriate. There's not just one 1960s Iron Man. There are so, so many 1960s Iron Mans. Obviously, you have to start with pre-Iron Man Tony Stark. We need him for this book because Kang is going to go interfere with his timeline. So we have non-Iron Man Tony Stark stats here. Then you've got the Iron Man Armor Model 1, which is the big, great, clunky one that Tony Stark created when he had been captured in Vietnam, the one he used to break out and start his superhero career. Then you've got the Model 1 Mark II after Tony Stark went back to the United States and realized that the, the pacemaker that he built into the chest plate was just going to have to stay on there to keep his heart going. So he really needed a little bit more of a lightweight chest plate since he was going to have to like wear it under dress shirts and things like that. Even in the Marvel Universe, where clothing has astounding armament and mutation concealing properties, going to board meetings with a thick, solid iron bulletproof shirt over your entire torso, and then like a dress shirt on top of that, that's that's pushing the boundaries. So then we get the Mark II. Then at a certain point, Iron Man realized that, uh, wow, I look like a scary monster because I'm, I'm all gray. So he decided to do the same armor but gold, and that's the Mark III. And then of course, you've got the Model 2 after that, and then he updated to the Model 3 midway through the 60s, and then he was continually improving the Model 3 before we even get to the Model 4. So you can't just say the 1960s Iron Man. You, ha you have to be more specific if you're going to do a stat block. And the brief that the author had to fill here is very specific, because Iron Man armor is statted in this book to appear in one particular scene that takes place at one particular moment in time, as with so many of these other characters who are written up to appear exactly one time in this adventure. We know exactly which armor Iron Man was wearing at that time. It was the Model 3 armor. The Model 3 armor was quite new at that time. The chronology is clear. I can understand where if you didn't have the Marvel Wiki to consult, you might be slightly confused because Iron Man switched armor in 1965, and the specific scene Iron Man appears in in this book is also in 1965, so you might not be certain about which order those events happened in. So I can forgive a minor lapse. As listeners know, I, I am nothing if not kind and tolerant of minor errors in role-playing game books. As it happens, though, the stat block presented here is not mistakenly for the Model 2, which Iron Man might reasonably have been wearing. He wasn't, but he might have been. The stats presented here are for the Model 1, which Iron Man stopped wearing like two real-world years before the scene we're going to see in this adventure. It's very different. Like, if you think of Iron Man, you think of the, the gold and red look. That's the Model 2. Before that is like the big clunky monocolor one that's either gray or gold. Does not look like modern Iron Man at all. This stat block is for one of those armors. Years out of date does not match who and what Iron Man should be in this situation at all. So when he does things in the scene where he appears in this story, his capabilities are going to be 
vastly different than they would be than they were in Marvel history when this one scene took place. It's a pretty iconic scene, it's a major character, you know. I mean, not to come down on the author too hard here, it's no Franco-Prussian War, but it's a significant moment in Marvel history, but I can forgive, it's fine. The author, by choice or by accident, gave us the stat block for an armor that chronologically should not appear in this adventure, and is drastically different from the one Iron Man was actually wearing during the scene in question. Okay, given that we've got that stat block, what I cannot forgive, the dumbest thing on this page, is that in a rare opportunity to write up the very early Iron Man armor, we are missing statistics for my favorite feature of the early Iron Man armor, the tiny little wheels. You may go to the visual companion for MDC, patreon.com slash megadumbcast, a public post free for everyone. There you will see the opening splash page of Tales of Suspense number 44, a comic book from back in 1963 when Iron Man still was in the gold armor. And on this splash page, which is one of my favorites, I did own this comic book story in some reprint form when I was a kid, so I remember this splash page well. You're going to see the gold-clad form of early 60s Iron Man, but you won't see his face. You'll see the back of his head and his back, because this is an extremely low angle, like a worm's eye view of Iron Man rolling across the sands of ancient Egypt with little tiny roller skate wheels on his shoulders and on his heels. And on the top of his head, he has some manner of little uh, attachable, perhaps magnetic, little mini jet thruster that then shoots off the top of his head to propel him on his little wheels. Iron Man used these wheels many times to get around, believe it or not. This was before Iron Man could fly, so when he needed to get somewhere in a hurry, uh, then he would just lay on his back with the little wheels on and turn on the head thruster and just rocket souls first toward adventure. The reason I chose this particular image is that we see a reaction to it. We see in a little uh, circular panel inset off to the side, Cleopatra. History's Cleopatra. This is also a time travel adventure. And Cleopatra is saying, quote, This is incredible. The armored stranger must be a sorcerer if he can make himself roll across the desert on tiny wheels. Yes, Cleopatra, a sorcerer. What other answer could there be? Actually, this is very bad deduction. If you knew magic, this is the kind of shit you would never do. Flying carpet, fine. Flying broom, okay. Just straight up flying with no accessories involved. Sounds great. Enhance your running speed, okay. Summon something to carry you, fine. Little tiny wheels on your shoulders and your heels, and you lay straight back, and then you attach a little thing to your head, and the thing shoots out a little rocket jet, and that, that pushes on your head and pushes your whole body. No way. If you knew that spell, you would not use it. You would find another way. But Cleopatra has misidentified this as magic. Meanwhile, Iron Man nobly rolls toward the chariots of ancient Egypt, I guess to just, like, Human skateboard is golden ass right into the wheels of the chariots and the hooves of the horses, which seems both hilarious and brutal when you think about it. This is not going to be a good time for Iron Man or the charioteers or certainly the horses. The, the roller wheels, I can't believe how long the roller wheels lasted. The, the Model 3 that Iron Man should actually have had during this scene in this adventure still had the roller wheels. Although I feel like maybe, I mean, they, they would have been very hard to implement. Say what you will about the roller wheels. They look ridiculous, impractical. There's rarely a situation you need to get to in such a hurry that running won't do, but it's okay to rocket there blind facing straight up, skateboard style. But one thing you can't deny is that this shit would have been hard to build. So maybe maybe Stark had just invested so much time and energy into these little wheels that he felt like, even once the armor can fly, who knows? Who knows when I might need to chase a villain through like a long half pipe, or I might have to rescue someone from a burning roller rink. Too much smoke up high for visibility. It's a good thing, I will think. 
I kept these roller wheels on the back of my armor, but they were not really being used. In this era, they were being used. Iron Man, Tony Stark, was using these to get places. It's a good thing he had a secret identity at that time, because otherwise he would not have been able to get a date rolling around town with these things. This was an unbelievable, rare opportunity to write stats for how Iron Man gets around on his little tiny wheels. And he blew it. The author blew it. That I cannot forgive. Because you know what? Honestly, this is not the armor that should be in the book. It's not even close. And maybe a lot of these characters shouldn't even be here at all, as I was saying last time. But if you'd given me stats for the wheel armor, I would have found a way to use it. It would have been worth it to me for modern superheroes to get to watch firsthand while Iron Man just sort of glides and cruises around on the ground in battle like a hotel luggage cart, and then go back to the present and just torment Tony Stark about his shameful, delightful past. This page mistakenly stats the old shitty golden skateboard armor and doesn't stat the skateboard wheels. It is a failure on every front. Join me next time when I discuss another instance of an unforgivable omission and an unforgivable inclusion, bizarrely intertwined as one, on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's music, used under Creative Commons license, is Take Us to the Nearest Starbase by Astrometrics, whose work you can find at soundcloud.com slash astrometricsband. <laughs>